I am grateful for you guys to persevere through 12 weeks of Summit. And I don't know about you, but as I was finishing up my homework uh, this week, I thought, you know, man, this has really been a lot of fun. It's been uh, uh, a challenge to make it through each week, but uh, it's been fun. And to end up with a chance to talk about the end times, I mean, how can we do anything better? So let me pray for us and we'll get rolling. Lot to do today to cover the book of Revelation in 15 minutes. All right. Um, I'm glad you all are laughing because uh, this is going to be funny to watch. Father, thanks for this time, and thanks for these guys, and for their uh, perseverance, Father. That's a, uh, something that we uh, read about this week. And these guys have demonstrated perseverance for continuing to uh, hang in there for 12 weeks, for a chance to study um, 12 of the core beliefs of Christianity. And so, Father, each of these beliefs reveals something about you. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of coming to know you and know your Son better through uh, this time. And so, Father, be with us this morning. And, uh, Father, I pray that you would unpack the end time so that we uh, have an understanding. But we don't obsess about it, but we get ready. So, Father, be with us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. I loved how uh, um, Duval started this week. You know, he talked about biblical hope. And, you know, biblical hope, anybody remember how it was defined in the book? Based on the character of God, exactly right. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things that we hope for. You know, I hope Texas beats Alabama in the uh, uh, national championship game. You know, based on the way they played uh, um, last Saturday night, uh, you know, that's, that is a, uh, a shaky hope. But our hope as believers is based on the character of God. And I can't think of anything better uh, to base our hope on. So I'm excited about the chance to talk about the end times. And uh, let's put up slide one because it uh, shows what Watermark's uh, belief statement says. You can go to the website and check it out. Um, let's read this. We believe in the personal imminent coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for His church. This event, commonly called the rapture, will be followed by great tribulation on earth and will culminate in the return of Christ to earth to set up his millennial kingdom. Um, so you see four things there that uh, uh, we'll be talking a little bit about today. The rapture, where Christ comes back and calls uh, the church to him. Uh, that initiates a seven-year period of uh, literally hell on earth, called the, great, uh, called the tribulation, and that will culminate in the return of Christ to the earth. And if we go away with one idea here, uh, I want us to go away with the idea that Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth. There is going to be a second coming, because sometimes we sit there and say, you know, hey, is this really real? Well, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, yes, it is real, and that has implications for the way that we live our lives today. Uh, and then uh, section 12 also uh, talks about the um, um, eternal state. And we're not going to focus on that so much because that's what comes after uh, the uh, millennial kingdom is finished. Great white throne judgment where unbelievers will be judged. And uh, then the eternal state begins. I also want to put up a little timeline where you can see this uh, illustrated as well. Okay, so you see where we are right now. The cross initiated the church age. We're in the middle of the church age right now. And you see that uh, the rapture will be Christ coming back 
calling the church to himself. He won't actually physically come back and touch the earth, but he'll call believers to them to himself. That initiates the seven-year period of tribulation. The second coming, he physically comes back uh, to the earth, and uh, he comes. You know, in the first advent, he came as the suffering servant. Well, he's going to be uh, wearing a different garb and playing a different role when he comes back for the second advent. That initiates the millennium, ends with the uh, great white throne judgment after a little rebellion again by Satan, and uh, then we go into the eternal state. I love C.S. Lewis's quote uh, in Duval's book. He said, Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. And C.S. Lewis is simply saying there that, hey, Christ is coming back. Um, And when that happens, it'll be too late to make any decisions to believe in Him at that point. And the same thing is true for us today. You know, once we uh, check out of this earth, once we die, then our chance to have believed in Christ is done. And so if there's anybody in this room today who has not believed in Christ... You know, I would say today is the day for you to make that decision about who Christ is, about what He said about Himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. So today is the day to make that decision. And let's look at the uh, uh, principles of the end time. It's real. You know, God's not kidding around. He really is going to... Uh, have a day of judgment. And uh, I've talked about this. Christ came in the first advent as the suffering servant. He's coming back as the king in all his glory. And he'll be riding a white horse, leading an army of heaven that we as believers will be in. And then the point really is, whose side are you going to be on? That's a decision that we have to make right now. And so we have that decision to believe in Christ right now. But Once we die, that decision, that opportunity, that chance to make a decision about Christ will be gone. Hebrews uh, 9.27 says it well, uh, "...inasmuch as it's appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment." So today, guys, if you've not believed in Christ, today is that day for you to consider it. Okay, and you know, much of uh, what we have in the way of prophecy in uh, Scripture is contained in the book of Revelation. How many of you read Revelation on a regular sort of basis? Yeah, that's what I thought. Not many of us do that. Uh, I want to talk about four attitudes towards the book of Revelation because it's something I want to commend to you to say, hey, it is something that we should know about, that we should care about, and that we should be uh, informed about. Okay, so first attitude is, hey, I can't understand it, I don't get it, and so why should I waste my time trying to read it? Uh, Second attitude, um, you know, there really are a ton of interpretations uh, about the book of Revelation, and there are all these wild symbols and things that I'm just not sure about. And because there are so many interpretations, you know, it just divides Christians, and I I, I don't want to do that. Or someone might say to the other extreme that, listen, uh, this is the most important book that there is. And you ought to read it. You ought to read it every day. And you ought to think about it all the time because it is real. Christ is coming back. 
and you know that's the kind of guy that goes to the opposite end and obsesses about the end times. And I would suggest to you that the fourth way is the way that uh, we ought to look at the book of Revelation. That it's scripture, it's inspired, it's profitable for uh, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And even though it's about the future, it really gives us ideas uh, in terms of hope and encouragement about how I live my life today and how I can walk in a manner that's worthy of our uh, calling and of the Lord. And it should, at very uh, bottom, it should give us motivation to tell others about Christ. Because when you read about these judgments that are coming, man, do you want any of your friends, do you want any of your family to uh, experience any of that? Well, obviously not. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book itself. Um, the author is, uh, uh, most scholars agree, is the Apostle John, written about uh, 95 A.D., so right towards the end of John's life, about uh, 60 plus years after uh, Christ had been on earth. Um, the purpose, to reveal events that will take place immediately before, during, and after the second coming of Christ. This is the way the book starts. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bondservants the things that must soon take place. And you know that word soon is a key word. Uh, the people uh, in John's time were looking for the Lord to come back even at that time. And so now it's been 2,000 years later. But what we've had is that God has given man more and more chances to make a decision about Christ. Uh, that is grace in action. And then finally, here's something that's pretty cool. In Revelation 1-3, there is a blessing promised to the one who reads it aloud and to those who both hear and heed the uh, um, instructions and the, the things in the book of Revelation. Uh, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. You know, guys, we've talked about it for these 12 weeks. The walking in faith, walking in the Christian life, is all about obedience. Will we do the things that we know? Um, <clears throat> the key verse in the book I would suggest to you is uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 19. And it talks about uh, um, the instruction to uh, John was, Therefore write the things which you have seen, which I think is uh, encompassed in uh, Revelation 1. The things which are, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit in uh, the letters to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and the things which will take place after these things, which is the balance of the book from uh, chapters 4 through 22. Uh, that verse gives you an outline of uh, the, the book of Revelation. So let's dive in uh, um, with, and start with chapters 2 and 3, where... Uh, John has written letters to the seven churches, uh, or there are letters actually from the Lord to the seven churches. And I would suggest to you, as you read these letters, here is a way uh, to understand the letters and to be able to compare and contrast them. Because each of them says something about Christ. Each of them includes a commendation. Each one includes a rebuke uh, and uh, an exhortation. And then there is a promise 
to the one who overcomes. And now it's uh, um, there are a couple of exceptions to that. All the churches receive a commendation except one. The last one, Laodicea, uh, doesn't receive a commendation. And all the churches receive a rebuke except two of them, Smyrna and Philadelphia, uh, don't receive rebukes. But that is a great way to give you a chance to compare and contrast what Christ says to these churches. And so, guys, I mean, you know, I was a lineman, and so let's keep it simple. I mean, you know, if it's a commendation, I want to do that, okay? I want to do the things that Christ commends. And if it's a rebuke, I don't want to do those things. So, you know, it it makes it easy for us. And when you're looking at what the uh, letters say about Christ, that is something for you to do throughout the book. Because this book is all about, just as the whole Scripture is, but the book of Revelation is about Christ. And so the things that we can learn about Christ throughout simply uh, give us an opportunity to know Him better, to make an impact on our walk. Okay, so let's dive into the uh, um, meat of the book, if you will. The next slide, uh, um, we'll talk about uh, a series of judgments, and it really sets up a pattern uh, from about 4 through 16. Uh, you see a pattern where God deals uh, with man in, both in judgment, but even in the midst of judgment, He gives uh, grace warnings and grace opportunities for the people, even during the end times, during the great tribula- tribulation, to have a chance to believe. So chapters 4 and 5 deal with uh, uh, what's going on in heaven at this time. And then in um, 6 through 8, we deal with the first set of three sets of judgment. Okay, We have the seal judgments, and there's seven of those. The trumpet judgments, seven of those. And the bowl judgments, and there's seven of those. And these judgments, as you read through them, I've got the scriptures up here in, in your handout as well. Um, as you read through them, you just see the increasing severity of these judgments. I mean, and literally, there will be hell on earth uh, during that time frame. And so, after the seal judgments, or actually right before the seventh seal judgment, you have 144 witnesses uh, sealed. These um, uh, scholars think are um, uh, Jews, and uh, the uh, 12 tribes and uh, 12,000 from each one uh, uh, just is fraught with symbolism about... Uh, Uh, Jewish sort of things, and these witnesses will be sealed in the sense that they will be protected, and until God is done with their uh, time of witnessing on earth, no one will be able to do anything to hurt them, but these witnesses will be evangelists for Christ even during the end times. So the sealed judgments are followed by the trumpet judgments. They just get worse and worse, and you can see those in Revelation 8 through about 11. But even um, right before the seventh trumpet judgment, you see two witnesses uh, who are sent to earth. And these guys are tough dudes. Uh, They are one not to be messed with. Uh, It's uh, interesting to read about them. Uh, They're first introduced into the scene in Revelation 11.3. And so um, these guys will do things that will amaze the whole earth. And yet when God allows the beast, to uh, the Antichrist, to kill these two guys, um, there will be great rejoicing on earth. And it even says that people will give gifts when these guys die. 
Um, there are also seven great persons, not great in the sense that we want to go out and be just like them, but great in the sense of uh, uh, they are significant players in the end times drama. Uh, and that occurs in uh, Revelation 12 and 13. And these uh, people include a pregnant woman who's introduced in uh, Revelation 12.1, who uh, most scholars think represents Israel. There's a red dragon in uh, Revelation 12.3 that represents Satan, that is Satan. A male child who rules over all the nations. And this uh, person is uh, the person of Christ. We have the archangel Michael in uh, 12.7. We had the remnant of believers introduced in uh, um, 12.17. And then we had the two uh, bad guys uh, coming on the scene, the beast or the antichrist in Revelation 13 and his prophet, the false prophet, also in Revelation 13. So those are people to watch throughout uh, uh, the rest of the uh, story. And then we conclude with seven bold judgments, and this is um, it's described as full of the wrath of God. And so this is when God is done fooling around, and uh, uh, those are judgments that um, it's even written that the time will be cut short for the sake of uh, the elect who are still on earth. And so um, that's when things are really gonna, going to be bad on earth. Throughout this time, God will continue to give people a chance to believe in His Son, and grace will precede judgment. But there will come a day when, with the bold judgments, when uh, uh, God's judgments carried out on the earth. Okay, the uh, next slide, uh, the final events, uh, and I just put them in order. Um, that this is kind of how uh, history of, uh, uh, on earth concludes. We've, we've got Christ coming back, riding a white horse, um, leading the armies of heaven. And um, all the nations of the world, or the, the uh, nations, are gathered around a, a valley in Israel called the Valley of Megiddo. And I've got a picture of it uh, that uh, you can see. It's just a huge, broad expanse. And uh, this is where uh, the final battle of Armageddon uh, is uh, to be fought. And uh, Christ will come back and put an end to uh, that battle. And with that, He will uh, initiate the uh, millennium. And at the end of the millennium, Satan will be loose for a short time to uh, um, again have a chance to deceive people. And the Lord will put a uh, final end to that, and uh, He will um, toss Satan into the lake of fire. The great white throne judgment follows that, and with the great white throne judgment, the, all the unbelievers uh, uh, will be judged on the basis of their deeds, it says in Revelation 20. And then uh, we have the new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem, and uh, the eternal state will begin after that point. So, guys, there is a short overview of the book of Revelation. And, um, you know, it's obviously it's more than anybody can take in in the course of 15 minutes. But what I want to really encourage you about is that it is something that you can understand. It's something that uh, uh, will inform the way that you live your life right now. And I, Kyle Kegler as I, and I were talking about this the other day, and he said it best when he said, get your butt ready. That's the message of the book of Revelation. So let's talk about three conclusions. Okay, so, you know, uh, lineman mentality. 
reap a blessing in your life by reading and obeying um, what is what it says in the book of Revelation. Read those commendations. Avoid those rebukes. Learn about the person of Christ in the book. Second, the end times are coming. We don't know when. It says uh, in Scripture that even Christ doesn't know when. Only the Father knows when that will be. And so we need to let Christ take care of His part. His part's to come back. And so we're not to worry about that. Our part is to be ready. Remember the Kegler saying, get your butt ready. That's our part for uh, the end times. And let it motivate us to be willing to tell others about Christ, to give an account for the hope that's within us. And then finally, uh, um, I guess that's my third point, that that motivation is based on a hope that's based on God's character. That motivation will make a difference not only in our own lives, but in the lives of uh, the people who are around us by us being willing to give an account for that hope, that hope that's based on the character of God. So there you go, guys. In 15 minutes, we've got uh, an overview of the book of Revelation. Uh, as you leave, I'm going to pray in just a second as we leave. Uh, guys in the back will have a handout that uh, uh, Todd used in conjunction with a series he did on Mark back in uh, 2002. Um, go check it out. Uh, in August, in um, September, October, in that time frame of 2002, there are several messages about the end times that uh, I would really commend to you. Uh, the, the notes that accompany them are great, and this little handout will give you an overview of several of the uh, uh, key terms that we've talked about here today. And let me just make one last point. You know, there are godly men and women who hold views about the end times that are different from the views that Watermark holds. Um, you, you saw an example in the book. Uh, uh, Scott Duvall said in one of the little sidebars that uh, the rapture will occur uh, right before the uh, second coming. Um, you know, there are different views out there. Watermark has a, a set of views, and I challenge you to figure out what you believe about the uh, end times. And there is room for godly men and women to have... Uh, a different view on these sort of things. But the important thing is, are the basic principles that um, God is going to, uh, that Christ is going to come back to get his church, that there will be a period of seven years of literal hell on earth, uh, that the, um, uh, that period of time will be ended by Christ physically returning to the earth in the second coming, and that there will be a day of judgment. Those are the sort of things that, uh, um, uh, Orthodox Christianity uh, puts as a stake in the ground. So let me pray for us. Father, thanks for the privilege of coming together as men to learn about uh, what you have in store for history and to um, have a chance to um, um, visit with other guys, to be accountable to other guys about how we live our lives and how indeed we are getting ready for your son's return. So, Father, thanks for the uh, perseverance of uh, each of the guys in this uh, room to be willing to uh, spend 12 weeks uh, studying the core beliefs of Christianity. So, Father, may these things not make us smarter sinners, but simply prepare us to be your witnesses used in a mighty way, uh, all because of the hope that we have in your son. We thank you, Father, that that hope is built on your character. 
In your son's name I pray, amen.